Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. In your Bibles, you can turn back to the book of Colossians. We were, I started this series. It's, I guess I hadn't been here in a couple of Wednesday nights. So we'll review for just a moment, then we'll get into some, some of the teaching of the Word. Now, this subject of the will of God, I do not think, and this is just my opinion, and I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong and not very right about this, but I really don't think that it's a subject that a lot of Christians take very seriously. That You know, what, what is, what is the, the, the will of God for my life? I mean, is it, is it a, uh, you know, is there a ministry call on me? Uh, uh, what, what exactly is the will of God for my life? And I know in my own life, uh, uh, coming back to the Lord almost 35 years ago, it just seems like the people that I was around those first formative years of my life that that was something that was so emphasized so strongly that it almost, for lack of a better word, it put a fear in me uh, to not uh, uh, seek the will of God, to, to do everything I could possibly do to find out, okay, Lord, okay, here I am. I want to serve you. What is your will for my life? Now, let me just say this, because a lot of people, you know, when you say that, people get all freaked out. Well, you know, is God going to call me to go to Africa or South America or someplace? Well, you know, in the body of Christ, uh, ministry callings, five-fold ministry giftings are rare. A lot of people say, well, you know, uh, I want to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's not for you to choose. That's not for you to choose. God, that's literally a gift of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Lord Jesus Christ puts into the body of Christ. And I've seen people in the will of God that were in business, and the, their business they were in was the will of God for their life. I've seen athletes that the, 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 uh, 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 the athletic endeavor they were in was the will of God for their life. I've seen other people that just the job that they worked uh, was the will of God for their life. That job was God's will for their life. That career that they had was God's will for their life. So don't get all freaked out about, you know, well, you know, is it going to cost me this or that? Well, let me just say this. The will of God is that which God has pre-designed for you to walk in. And, and what's unique about the will of God for your life is you have to have God to be in it. Because you can't be in the will of God without having God, His grace, His mercy, His, his uh, uh, compassion and all the attributes of God, His favor on you in that uh, particular uh, uh, time in your life in which you're seeking that. And then once you find the will of God, it takes faith to get into it and it takes faith to stay in it. I have friends and acquaintances that I've known for many years that were in ministry that aren't in ministry anymore. Uh, there was a guy I preached for in northeast of here, and, and uh, he, uh, when I, pre I, I think I preached for him three times, and one of the times I was preaching for him, we went out and got some uh, refreshments after the service, and he told me, he said, I'll tell you, I don't care who says what, I'm retiring at 60. I'm done at 60. And he built a church. He had a nice building. And I'm telling you, when he turned 60 years old, he retired. He quit the ministry. He quit, all, he quit. And I saw him about five years after that. And I didn't even recognize him. He looked so old and so decrepit and just, just 
But I know other men that have continued in, in, in the ministry that God had for them or in the business that God had for them or whatever endeavor it was, and they stayed young and youthful into their 80s and 90s. Amen? So there is an advantage to being in the will of God. Now, when God created the earth and, and, and set man on it, He set man in the Garden of Eden. He put man in His will. But the thing that God did, and He still does today, is he does not violate our choices. I mean, you can be the most spiritual person you want to, but still God still will not violate your choices. You have to choose to seek the will of God, to find the will of God, to walk in the will of God, and to stay in the will of God. you gotta, you got to seek to do it. Now, as I begin to study this out, I don't know how long we're going to stay on this because there is so much information in the Word of God about God's will, about that which is unique for all of us when it comes to God's will, about the specific uh, uh, grace that God has for you, and that's another thing that we will explore is the specific grace for your life. And as you enter into the will of God for your life, understanding that it's not the path of least resistance, many times it begins as the path of greatest resistance, and, and, and all the different things you have to develop, your faith, your character, uh, your discipline in the things of God, in prayer, and the Word, all of these different things. But the payoff is humongous. You say, what is the payoff? Well, you live in the realm and the reality of the life of God that God always intended for you to live in. It's not a life without any problems. It's actually a life in which you've got an answer for every problem and there's a resistance built on the inside of you because if you don't know it's the will of God for you to be healed, you might not resist it. If you don't know it's the will of God for you to prosper, you might not resist. You might just accept that as part of life. And a lot of Christianity, that's exactly what they do. They just literally let all the problems of life and all the things of life that come and encroach into their life, they just think, well, that's just the way it is because I live on planet Earth. But one thing about being a believer, you find out what the will of God is when it comes to His Word and you realize there are things that the world just accepts as normal, everyday activity on the Earth that is not the will of God for His children. It's not the will of God for you to be sick. It's not the will of God for you to be depressed. It's not the will of God for you to be broke. It's not the will of God for you to have uh, addictions and all that kind of stuff. It's the will of God for you to be free. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Amen? Now, I've, I've done everything I can do in my life to find the will of God and stay in the will of God. Now, somebody asked me one time years ago when I was teaching Bible school. They said, Pastor Rusty, how do you know you're in the will of God. Well, the only answer I could come up with, and I believe it was by the Spirit of God, was this. That you're doing everything you know to do to be in the will of God. That's a pretty good sign you're in the will of God. Is you're doing everything you know to do. You're giving God 100% effort to be in His will, and you, then you trust God for the other supernatural part that's needed to provide the grace for you to be in the will of God like that. Now, when I first came back to the Lord, I had people who would come up and prophesy to me. I had several job offers to go to work in different ministries. But during my Bible school months that I was up at Lakewood, the Holy Ghost visited me and talked to me and gave me an assignment that lasted 18 years. You said, what did he say? He said to me, I want you to go to the churches. I want you to believe God for doors to open in local churches. 
I want you to go to these local churches and I want you to help these pastors build their church. Now, I'll never forget how he said it to me. He said, don't build your ministry. He said, if you will go and help these churches build their church, I will build your ministry. And that's exactly what God did for 18 years. After 18 years, the Lord began to deal with us about pioneering and starting Island Church. Now, the first thing that began to happen as we begin to respond to his urgings in our life is the grace for that other assignment begin to lift. It began to lift. It began to lift off of me to the point that I thought there was something physically wrong with me. Remember that, that Jewish doctor I went, Dr. Uh, Frankel was his name? I think so. Anyway, he was a Jewish doctor up in uh, at UTMB, and I went up to him, and, and he looked me over from stem to stern, and he said, there ain't nothing wrong with you. And I was like, okay, well, I knew there was something wrong with me, you know. So, but it wasn't something wrong physically with me. It was something wrong spiritually with me. And what it was is I was trying to hang on to a, to a specific assignment that was the will of God when God was turning a page in my life and actually starting another phase of ministry in which I was resistant to. And that resistance began to produce a, 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 a declining grace in my life to the point where I could, I could literally physically feel it. Physically feel it. Leah, can, you can ask my wife. But when I, whenever I start getting out of the will of God, I start having physical problems right off the bat. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday, I was at the gym getting ready to play uh, uh, badminton with my dad and all the people that come play badminton with us. And the, and, the, and the phone rang, and I saw it said Tanzania. And, you know, you get all these, these phone calls from all over the place that, you know, trying to sell you stuff, and, and you look at that. And I don't know why I answered it, and it was Brother Egan. And Brother Egan said, Pastor Rusty, you gotta, you got to come to Tanzania now, right now. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean right now? And he said, Pastor Sam had to cancel and, and the conference starts on Tuesday. And, 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 and so I'm sitting there listening to this. And then I really had no response. It just kind of numbed me. I mean, what do you say to somebody that's saying that? I mean, oh, yeah, I, I want to stop what I'm doing. I want to get on an airplane and fly 12,000 miles. I want to, you know, I just, so all I, all I said was this. Give me 24 hours, I'll give you an answer. And so I, when I hung up the phone, I started thinking, I don't want to go to Africa at Christmas time. I don't want to go to Africa. I, and I, I went home and, and, and Lee and I started talking and we did, we, we talked each other. We did everything we could do to talk me out of going. I got on the phone on the on the uh, uh, internet, and, and the and the ticket was thousands and thousands of dollars to go, amen. And uh, I, I was like, oh my goodness, that's a that's a lot of money, you know. And uh, and uh, and uh, and just got and so I got up on on uh, Saturday morning, and we're sitting in the office, and I'm looking at things and stuff like that. The ticket price had dropped by two thousand dollars, and I literally couldn't breathe. And I tell them the truth. I'm over there going, ah, 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 ah. I saw the will of God. I knew it. And so finally, I looked over at Leah and I said, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go. And she looked at me and said, I knew you would. <laughs> Amen. But as soon as I said, I'm going to have to go, peace came. Peace just came right down on top of me. And I was like, Oh, I can breathe again. 
thank God for the peace of God. And so we had a great time and everything was, you know, everything was wonderful and, you know, been back for a while now and everything's cool. But, you know, that, that was not... That was not something I was on my knees. Oh, Lord, I, I pray that, you know, Pastor Brother Egan would call and, you know, I would get to go to Africa and be in that conference. I wasn't doing that. Amen? As a matter of fact, when the call came, I was doing just the opposite. Oh, Lord, send somebody else. I don't want to go all that way. I don't want to fly all that way. I don't want to do that. You know, I mean, I literally was. But you got to understand, when, when God speaks something to you, and when you're in the will of God, there will always come tests like that. And what was predominant in my mind was everything that was going on at Island Church, everything that was going on in my life, and this thought, I know it came up out of my human spirit, this thought came up out of my spirit and touched my mind. Can you afford to disobey God at this point in your life? Now that's where you need to get to in the will of God, where God can speak to you like that, and say to you, can you afford to disobey me at this point in your life? Because a lot of people don't understand how broad the brushstroke is of obedience. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they'll come to church a couple of services a month or, or you know, give a couple of dollars and it really doesn't matter to them. And really the real, the, the, the real mandate of obedience is really not on them because they've used their choices over the years not to draw nigh unto Him, but to find a place of comfort in their own life where they feel secure enough to behave the way they do outside of the will of God, which is one of the greatest deceptions in the body of Christ. Because what that does, it literally conditions you for disaster. Because once you step back from the will of God, it gets easier to take another step back and another step back and another step back, and every time the devil accommodates you, well, what he's doing, he's drawing you into a trap of calamity. I've seen it so many times. And then when the trap is sprung, oh boy, then you get real spiritual and you want to, you know, you come to prayer and, you, and you're on your face before God and help me Lord, help me Lord, help me Lord. Well, God has mercy and he'll help you. But the best thing is not to get there. Instead of taking steps back, take steps forward. Everything you can do to get into the will of God. I mean, you know, I'm kind of preaching to the choir when it comes to the Wednesday night crowd. But in the body of Christ, we must understand we're living in the perilous days that Paul talked to Timothy about that did not happen in Timothy's days. It's happening in our days in perilous times in which men will turn to self to self-will instead of God's will. Now remember what Jesus prayed and what they call the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you can kind of put that as the crowning reality of the prayer about God's will. You can go uh, maybe a half a step down from that, His prayer in the garden. Uh, Lord, if there's any other way to do this, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Our redemption hung in the balance of that. And Jesus chose the will of God over his own self-will. Thank God he did. Or we wouldn't be here. And literally, when you got born again, that was an act of your will. Submitting to the will of God for the plan of salvation. A lot of people today do not submit to the will of God for the plan of salvation. They believe they can be good enough. They believe because they've joined such and such church. They believe because they adhere to this doctrine or that doctrine. When Jesus himself said, here's the will of God. You must be born again. That's it. And when it comes to the will of God, 
Gray areas, now this is something you need to understand. Gray areas are not produced by God. He's pretty exact. He's pretty black and white. He's pretty yes and no. We're the ones that develop the gray areas. Amen? So we left off last, last, last time I was here, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, in the book of Colossians. Let's look at that prayer again. Then I want to flip back to chapter 4 for just a moment. Then we'll, how's our time? We'll try to make it over there to, to uh, uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, the prayer in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding. Now notice that, that you might be filled. So there is levels of the will of God. Amen? So, you know, God doesn't expect you to get born again on Tuesday and then on Wednesday be fully in His will. It's a process to, to discover the will of God for your life. But He wants you to be filled with it, and He wants you to have a knowledge of it, but he wants it to be wisdom and spiritual understanding, which means God's going to give you the knowledge of his will, then he's going to give you the wisdom on how to carry it out. Because without the knowledge, what good is the wisdom? But with the knowledge, you must have the... Remember, knowledge is what to do, wisdom is how to do it. Amen? And then the spiritual understanding part is understanding that the will of God for your life is the spiritual part of the will of God for your life. You know, it's amazing to me. And it's, it's, I remember when Dad, Dad took me over to uh, uh, Israel when I graduated from Bible school. I think he took Alan when he graduated, took me when I graduated. And, and when we came out of Jericho, uh, that wilderness there, way back up in that wilderness, is this huge monastery. I mean, it's, and it's just like chiseled into the rock. And these guys go there and live like for eight years at a time, taking vows of silence. Now, obviously, these people love God and have a heart for God. And obviously, what they're doing is they're trying to find out what is the will of God for my life. I'm willing to give up marriage. I'm willing to give up children. I'm willing to give up an education. I'm willing to give up a career. And I'm willing to go sit in a forsaken place on this planet for eight years and not say a word to anybody, hoping that God's going to show up and tell me what to do. Well, he doesn't. That's why I feel sorry for those people. Because most of them just end up living out their lives without even discovering how to get saved. But the world looks at that and thinks, oh, that's so spiritual. And surely if anybody's in the will of God, it's got to be those guys. They're not. They're actually so far from it, it's ridiculous. They have no knowledge. There's no knowledge. Their knowledge has been distorted. Amen. I don't know who told them they ought to go up there. I don't know what kind of voice in their own spirit told them they could have gone up there. But I would love to go up there and preach a couple of weeks to them. I bet I could get them shouting after two or three days. He said, you believe you can? I've had to do it before. I remember the first time I went to Finland. Those are the most stoic people I ever saw in my life. I mean, they sat there and just kind of stared a hole in you when you preached. Well, after about three days, I had them going. I found two Russians that came from St. Petersburg, Russia. Both of them were Jewish, Messianic Jewish people. And they sat over on the front row on this side over here. And I'd preach and they'd say amen. So I just got over right in front of them and started preaching to them. They started amen and then shouting and it went all over the place. Well, I mean, you get thrilled by the Word of God. You get thrilled by the anointing. And listen, the will of God, here's the thing about the will of God. It doesn't isolate you, it includes you. 
Let me say that again. The will of God doesn't isolate you. It includes you in what God's doing in the earth. So we've got to have the knowledge of His will. But now notice it says to pray. Everybody say to pray. So you've got to begin with prayer. It needs to be. Listen, if you don't care anything about the will of God for your life, you need to start praying, Lord, give me a desire for your will. Give me a desire. Put a desire. I give you permission. I, sometimes you've got to just talk to the Holy Ghost like that. You've got to say, Spirit of God, I give you permission to give me an overwhelming desire in my heart for your will. I don't care what it is, where I have to go, what I have to do, how I have to do it. All I want is your will in my life, and I give you permission because right now I could really care less about it. I'm busy. i got other things I need to do. i got my own will. i got the will of the needs of my life. i got the will of uh, my own pleasures. I've got the will of my own, of my own ambition or ego, but I want your will. If you'll ask God... I I guarantee you he'll start dealing with you. And when he starts dealing with you, you can't turn around and run off. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Listen, I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of them. I knew a lot of the preachers from the last generation. Knew them personally. Brother Hagen, Brother Osteen. I never met a preacher that ever willingly went into the ministry. Is that what you really want to do? I mean, get up in front of people every night? Let them judge what you have to say? Come on, church. I mean, when you really begin to break it down, it's, it's something that you really don't want to do. And the reason you don't want to do it is there's no way in your own strength and ability you can do it. You have to have the anointing of God. You have to have a gift of God. You have to... Brother Hagen wanted to be a lawyer. When he was a little boy, he was sick. He wasn't, he wasn't well, and, and everybody knows the story about him being healed. But he used to go uh, to the courthouse and watch the lawyers argue. He always wanted to be a lawyer. Amen? I mean, uh, 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 Brother Lester Summerall, man, he left a mark on this earth. Dr. Summerall did, preached in 143 countries, left churches everywhere he went. I'm telling you, he was one of the most influential men of the charismatic movement. Well, when God called him to preach, he was 17 years old, dying of tuberculosis. And God put a vision on his bedroom wall. And he showed him an open Bible and an open grave and said, choose one. And he said, I don't want to preach. He said, you'll die. He said, then I'll preach. And God healed him. The next day he got up and packed his bag and he took off preaching. He said, I was the worst preacher. He said, I was the meanest preacher. He said, I was in Arkansas. He said, I, I mean, I sat there and he, I listened to him tell this story. He said, I was in Arkansas and I was preaching. He said, this little lady was sitting on the front row trembling. And I looked at her and I said, do you want to go to heaven? And she kind of looked at me like this. He said, I spit on her pooey and said, go to hell then. He said, when I did that and went back to where I was standing that night, the Lord spoke to me and said, you don't know nothing about me, do you? He said, I didn't. I didn't know nothing about God. He said, I was mean. Lived, on, lived in Panama City and fished. That's all I like to do. And God took him and made an apostle that literally shook the world out of his ministry. Well, you've got to understand those entering into the will of God like that. You've got to pray. Pray is the beginning. Prayer begins to open the door. When you begin to pray a prayer of consecration, in which you say, Lord, I don't care how old I am. I don't care how tall or short I am, how black or white I am. That does not matter to me. Where I live geographically, how much money I do or do not have. I'm going to open the door to you, Lord, to begin to deal with me about the will of God for my life. If you will do that, then God will begin to deal with you. 
And he's not going to slam dunk you. He's going to start with very little tender things. And I'm always amazed at people that have these, you know, huge visions. And, and, and Jesus comes down in a green Cadillac and parks in their driveway and, you know, comes in. and I'm always questioning that because out of a lot of that comes a bunch of goofiness. It usually just starts as something. You know, the Bible speaks of Moses when he was called of God. First time he made a mistake. I mean, that's a hard way to start a ministry with a murder. He ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible says that he was walking in the wilderness. He saw a bush on fire. It would not be consumed. And he could have walked right by that bush. And that bush would have continued to burn and never been consumed. But the Bible said he turned to see. That was the consecration. When he turned to see what it was, then God spoke to him out of the bush. He could have walked right on by and we'd have never had that Moses. We'd have had to, uh, there, there had been somebody else God would have had to raise up. So we have to have the knowledge of his will and all spiritual understanding, but prayer is the beginning point. Everybody say prayer. Now, since we're in Colossians, I wanted to show you a scripture real quick. Go over there. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Look at, I'm going to read it in the Amplified and in the King James. That guy's name is Epaphrapus, who is one of you, is verse 12, uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Everybody say prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So not only do you pray, but there's a lot of other intercessors that pray that people will do the will of God. You know, there were three women up in Tulsa, Oklahoma back in the late 20s that God began to show a revival or a move of God in Tulsa. And they began to pray in the Holy Ghost and God began to draw ministry to Tulsa like Oral Roberts, Teal Osborne, Kenneth Hagan, and all other kind of ministries God drew to Tulsa because of the intercession of three women. Amen? There's people that are praying for you that you might not even know. There are intercessors that may be on their knees praying in tongues and you might not know. They may be praying for the will of God in your life. And Epaphroditus here is saying, listen, here's an intercessor. Here's somebody that's praying for people to get into the will of God. You know, when the Bible says, pray ye therefore, Jesus said, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest will, will, will thrust forth that same word is the, in the Greek is the word we use to cast out devils. That literally means with a, with, a, with a violent force. Amen. I was listening to, uh, today I was driving back, I had to go out of town for a little bit today, and I was driving back, I was listening to Brother Osteen's famous uh, uh, message on eagles. He preaches the best message on eagles I ever heard. And he's talking about when the, the chicks get ready to launch. And they don't want to launch. The mother spends like three months building this nest. Eagles nest weigh like a half a ton, like a thousand pounds. And she begins the framework of that with very thorny material. But then she comes in and lines it with all kinds of fur and down and that thing is so soft. One of the first things she does before she launches those chicks is she goes pulls all the down out of the, out of the nest. So now those chicks are laying on thorns. Amen? Well, sometimes that's how the will of God starts right there. Where the enemy begins, I mean, where the Lord begins to stir the nest, and next thing you know, what was so comfortable is not comfortable anymore. Now, notice, let me read this in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. Listen to what it says. Verse 12. 
Epaphras, who is one of yourselves, a servant of Christ Jesus, for you earnestly, is always striving for you earnestly in his prayers, pleading that you may, as persons of ripe character and clear conviction, stand firm and mature in spiritual growth, convinced and fully assured in everything willed by God. Amen. Now, there are people in the earth that it is the will of God that they pray. Now, I, listen, I believe every person should be an intercessor. That literally means to stand in the gap. But there are people that are anointed to be intercessors. My mother was one. My grandmother was one. Listen, I'm telling you, those women could pray heaven and earth together. I've seen them do it, been in the presence of the Lord. I used to come home from school. I remember one time I was walking home from school with some friends of mine. We were coming up the street. And our next door neighbor come running out the front door. And she was screaming, God's in there. God's in there. God's. I told my friends, let's go to your house. <laughs> I could hear my mom and my grandmother in there. And they're praying. Amen. So people are praying. Everybody say people are praying. There are intercessors in this church that pray. There are people in this church that are praying that people will find the will of God, do the will of God, get into the will of God. Amen? Because it is an important... God's kingdom does not advance unless people walk in His will. But when people walk in His will, God's kingdom is advanced. And as God's kingdom is advanced, then the will of God or the kingdom of God expands in such a way that it begins to include more and more people in His will. Listen, there's a personal will of God for your life. Then there's a corporate will of God for your life. Part of that which is unique to all of us is being part of a corporate will. The corporate will of that which God does. Listen, if God didn't draw us together corporately, how would He get anything done? He couldn't get anything done if there was not the organization, if there was not the structure, if there was not the vision of what God desires to do. I was so amazed by the vision of Dr. Egan Falk. And I, I mean, as I toured the school and as I toured the orphanage and I toured his, his uh, ministry compound where his crusades go out from and saw his 18-wheeler trucks and his big stage and as I preached in the church all week long and saw all the thousands of ministers that come, people from all over Africa that is, I'm telling you, the vision of that thing is awesome, but it had to be walked out over a 45-year period of time to get to the place where it was. Sure there's ups and downs. Sure there's resistance. But listen, through prayer, through intercession, and through yielding to that will, through knowledge and wisdom, literally that thing has been walked out. I saw the same thing in the Philippine Islands with Paul and Shotty. I mean, it took them years and years. They were just bush missionaries. They had a boat. They had a boat. And on that boat, they would put all kinds of groceries and, all, and they'd go to those islands. All, and man, I'm telling you, it was rough. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of support. They were attacked by diseases. I think Shotty's had yellow fever half a dozen times. They both suffered with malaria. Devil attacked her with cancer. They've had all kinds of crazy things go on and happen. Then the Lord spoke to them 25 years ago and said, go to Manila and start a church. They're like, yeah, right. How are we going to do that? They go to Manila and just struggle. For 10 years, they just struggle. 15, 20 people, 30 people, 100 people. The next thing you know, God starts moving. Next thing you know, now they've got a building paid for. They've got churches all over the Philippines. Well, that didn't just happen overnight. 
It took prayer and intercession. It took people praying for them and supporting them. See, that's why everyone needs one another. I can't do the will of... I cannot fulfill the will of God in my life unless I gather people around me that are willing to fulfill the call of God in their life. It does not happen. Amen? Therefore, we're codependent. You say, what do you mean? You're dependent upon me. I'm dependent upon you. That's the way God wants it. God doesn't like Lone Rangers. Hollywood does. God doesn't. God wants us intertwined, working together in the will of God, doing that which He wants us to do. And I'm telling you, once you boil it all down, it's not really that complicated. It's really pretty simple. God wants us living right. God wants us praying. God wants us studying the Word. God wants us in church. God wants us giving. And God wants us doing the work of the ministry. Now, all the other things that are the will of God for your life, which you find out the house you're going to live in, the cars you want to drive, the places you want to go, that's, listen, that all comes through being in, the, in this other foundational will of God. I've always called it the generic will of God. I've called it like, I've always seen it like this in my own life. There's the calling of God that's unique for all of us. First of all, we're called to be born again. Amen. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. That means it is the will of God for every person to get born again on this earth. That is the will of God. And it's our responsibility, not God's, to get them saved. That does away with all the Calvinism that's in the world. All the Calvinistic doctrines that talk about predestination of people that might get saved and people that might not get saved is all washes out the window with that one scripture. That God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come into the knowledge of salvation. That washes all that away. And whole denominations are built against that doctrine right there. Amen? Then it's the, it's the will of God that after, listen, this is the people don't like this. I tell you, it only takes one step into salvation and the next step people start resisting right there. You say, what's after that? Will of God's for you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Then you need to study the Bible and you need to make a determination that the Bible is the only thing on earth that reveals the will of God. Preachers don't reveal it. Denominations don't reveal it. Grandma doesn't reveal it. What reveals it is the Word of God. And throughout the book of Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 19, there is a thread that runs through the Word of God that shows us once an individual is born again, which is an invitation, then an individual must yield to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. I'm telling you, people preach against that. Why is it preached against? Because the devil knows if anybody steps into salvation and has the abiding spirit on the inside and then enters into the baptism of the Holy Ghost and is filled with the Spirit and speaks with other tongues, then literally the circuit of God's power has been completed in your life. He knows you're going to get revelation knowledge. He knows you're going to be more subject to understanding the authority of God and the Word of God. He knows there's going to be a desire on you for the will of God. And He knows that His days of lording over you are over and He lords over you by using your own will, your own selfish will against you. And a lot of people use that to fight against the devil. Now, I don't want to get back. I don't want the Holy Ghost. I don't want that. And you know, I kind, of, I kind of received it reluctantly at age seven. We used to pray after every night service, Sunday night, Wednesday night services. We had big altars. They were about that wide, and they were, they were shellac, I don't know, 10 acre, 10 uh, layers of shellac. They were real shiny. They were huge. And the men would come on one side and the women on the other side and get around those altars and pray and pray. And we had these guys that would come around, uh, Kenneth Dunn and George Dustin and, and some of the, and they'd come around. And if you're just standing there looking around, they'd come and grab your hands 
and lift them up in the air and lay their bed. Kenneth Dunn had hands that big. He'd lay hands on you and say, now be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you'd look up at him like, you're just a little kid, you know. Come on, receive the Holy Ghost. And next thing you know, the Spirit of God would come on. You'd be speaking in tongues. I mean, they didn't care. They're going to get you. You, got down, you went down to that altar, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you came down again, you're going to stay filled. Amen. Well, the church has pulled way back from that. They've pulled back from that. Well, you know, it's all right. You don't want the Holy Ghost. That's fine. Well, that's a problem, though. Jesus died and received of the Father the person and the power of the Holy Ghost for you to have it and for you to be empowered. Is it controversial? Yes, it's controversial. Amen? Does it carry a reproach? Absolutely. I guarantee you get up at your job and say, Hey, I'm a tongue-talking, devil-chasing Christian. People ain't going to invite you to lunch. They're going to walk around you, amen? But that's the will of God for your life. That's what it is. So we start with salvation, which is an invitation. And then we go to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a command. I'll never forget the story Brother Osteen told us in Bible school. He said, man, I, he, he, was, he said, I was so Baptist. We, he said, I preached against all that for 19 years. He says, and what started my quest was a woman came to our church that was a singer at Christmas time. And she brought three gifts and put them under. We said, we had a Christmas tree on the platform. She put them under the platform. And she started and came out. And she, after she, she would sing a song, and then she would bring out a gift. And so she opened, took the box off this gift, and it said Jesus. She held it up to the crowd, and she said, this is, this is a gift from God. This is Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He came to the earth at Christmas time. He's God ma manifest. He's a, he said, she just talked about Jesus, walked around, talked. She didn't scream. She didn't shout. She didn't run. She didn't dance. She just said, this is Jesus. And then she put him back in the box and closed it. And she went back. She grabbed another box. She picked it up, took the lid off, picked, pull, pulled out another one. She said, now this is salvation. She said, now this is a gift. This is what Jesus gives. God gave us Jesus. Jesus gives us salvation. So she talked about salvation. You must be born again. Well, they were Baptists. They believed in all of that. He said, we were Baptists. Everybody was, yeah, we believe in that. You know. And so she, she went and got the third gift. She took the top off. And it said, the Holy Spirit. And she said, now this is the Holy Spirit. And she says, this is also a gift from God. And she began to talk about the Spirit of God. And she said, she began to talk about speaking in tongues. And she began to talk about worshiping God in an unknown language. And he said, you know, for all my life, I resisted. He said, that one little woman doing that, and she would sing a song after every, bo after every box. She said, as she sang that song, she said, something came down in my heart. And he said, I literally went, and then he began to tell the story of getting on a train and going up to Tennessee and hiding and where people didn't, nobody would know him and going into a Pentecostal church and, and they were fixing to have a revival meeting and everybody went into a prayer room. And he said he went into this prayer room and these people had their hands up and were praying in tongues and tears were running down their face. And he cried out to God, God, that's what I want. That's, and it started a quest for him, which ended up at creating Lakewood Church out of that, which I believe was the will of God. But he had to turn from his own denomination and he had to turn from his own religion and he had to turn from his own ideas. Amen? I mean, he had two master's degree in theology from, Baba, from, uh, from, from Baptist seminaries. Man, he turned from a lot, a lot to embrace the will of God. We have to do the same thing. So everybody say prayer. There's people that pray. 
There's people that pray. You must pray for yourself and you must believe God. I like to say it like this. You must believe God for a great big want to for the will of God in your heart and in your life. Now, it's been an amazing thing for, for Lee and I to, to, to raise Breland and for us for, for 18 years, well, she'll be 18 in January, to pray over the will of God for her life, but to not, how can I say this, influence her. Now, that's not easy because a lot of times we try to influence her. You need to do this, you need to do that. And so we kind of raised her kind of in a unique way. And, and when was it? About four years ago, we were at a prayer meeting. And the Lord gave us, just Lee and I sitting together praying. There's all kinds of other people praying. And the Lord actually gave us two words, one about our own ministry and one about Breland. And what was amazing about that was the will of God that was intertwined in that thing about her and how we've watched it for four years come to pass without doing anything to influence it, but through good uh, youth ministers and, and exposing her to, to meetings that we take her to and stuff like that, she's finding it. I mean, it's an amazing phenomenon to watch somebody. I wish I would have yielded to that at a young age and not been drawn down another path. But to watch somebody begin to walk that out is an amazing phenomenon. I mean, here Lee and I are 30-something years down the road of seeking the will of God for our life. But to watch an individual begin to do that and watch that begin to happen in their life and the resistant part of it and the yielding part of it and to see it begin to come together, it makes you realize that it is a life's journey. But it can start at any time. Now here's, I think, this will help you. I'll close with this. Here's where I think a lot of people get, I've wasted too much time. And the enemy will put that in your mind. Well, I, if I'd have done it when I was in my 30s, if I'd have done it when I was in my 40s, if I'd have done it when I, when I was in my 50s. Well, I didn't, I didn't do it till I was 27. Amen. And Leah, I think you were, what, 26 when you got saved. She was 28 when we got married. I was 30. So we didn't get, we didn't, it wasn't like when it was Breland's age. But I have found other people in my life and ministry that some of them were in their 30s. Some of them were in their 40s. Some of them were in their 50s. Some of them were in their 60s. Some of them, like Dr. Summerall, got his greatest assignment, the will of God for his life, his greatest assignment at age 75. Now that's amazing. I said, that's amazing that God would wait 75, until he was 75 years, started preaching at 17, and he's 75, and God says, now here's the will of God. And I'll never forget, because we, we were in the church when the first one he came back after the Lord told he had a, had a visitation of God in Jerusalem praying with, uh, 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 with Rod Parsley and Off Ekman. We're with him, two young pastors at the time. And uh, God visited him. And when God visited him and revealed this, this plan, he said, give it to these young preachers. And the Lord spoke to him and said, it took me 75 years to get you to the place where you could hear what my will is. That's what he told him. I mean, it's amazing. And when God laid it out, it was totally impossible. Here's what God said to him. I have children all over the world that pray this prayer. Lord, give us, how do you say it? Uh, give us this day our daily bread. He says, and I have no bread to give them. They pray every day. Give us this day our daily bread. I have no bread to give them. You give them bread. You give them bread. He's like, Lord, what, what are you calling me to feed the world? Yep, all the Christians. And God gave him a plan and a way to do it. And every step was impossible. 
and God gave him every step for it. By the time he went, on to be, went home to be with the Lord, he was feeding Christians all over the world through local churches, and churches were exploding, getting doubling, quadrupling overnight because food was coming to the local churches and they were feeding the hungry people all over. Amen? It's the will of God. So you've got to understand it's never too late. It's never too late to start seeking God and asking God, okay, Lord, what is the will of God for my life? Because you will find this out. It's like standing under an umbrella. You know, if it's pouring down rain and you stand under a good umbrella, thank God we got some good umbrellas the other day. Uh, the, you know, an old cheap umbrella just kind of go inside out. with, But a good umbrella will not only cover you, but it will literally keep the rain off of you. Now, you've got the rain of, of all kinds of sin and unrighteousness and evil all around you. All around you. But you can step under the umbrella of the will of God and there's grace where your faith works. There's mercy when you make mistakes. And literally many of the just menial little old things that just wear you out. Thing after thing after thing. You know, I say this sometimes, and I don't know if people get the, get the gist of it or the weight of it, but we traveled a lot in the 18 years we were in the field. Did you know I never missed a flight? I never had a flat tire on a car. And I was only late to one meeting because the church was so far back in the woods I couldn't find it. And I was only 15 minutes late. Now that's thousands and thousands of meetings all over the world. All over the world. And I think we only had one, one or two bags misplaced and were delivered either to our hotel room or our house. About the time that we got home, they were there waiting on us. You say, now how can that happen? I know people that as soon as they buy a ticket to go somewhere, things start going wrong. Amen. I mean, this will start happening, that will start happening. I, I know, I, I had a, there, when we were going to, traveling to Ireland a lot, we were going to sometimes, sometimes three to four times a year. And you can ask Leah and, the, and our staff that was working at RMM, RMM at the time, we'd pray over the weather. And we'd pray, and we'd pray. And even, literally the pastors in Ireland would say, I, I, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen, Rusty. Every time you come, we have the best weather we've ever had. If you come in January, the weather's beautiful. If you come in March, the weather's beautiful. If you come in July, the weather's beautiful. Whenever you come, the weather's beautiful. Well, this other guy was going, and twice he got stuck in the airport and never got out of the airport. He flew into Dublin, landed, and had to check into the, to the, to the hotel at the airport three days later, fly out. And I told him, I said, pray over the weather. Ah, that don't make any difference. I said, yes, it does. <laughs> Amen. We never missed it. We traveled those Irish roads. They don't, now in Ireland they have beautiful highways like we have, these interstates. Back then they had these two-lane roads with no shoulder and they drive on the wrong side of the road, on the wrong side of the car. And I'm telling you, it is like being on a roller coaster. I mean, it is. And those drives from town to town, up and down and around and back and forth. But we never had a wreck. We never had a flat. We never had any problems of any kind. All over the Philippine Islands, we went to the Philippines the first time, Leah and I. My goodness, we rode in a Jeep for four hours. Leah's hair was standing straight up. <laughs> Looks like she'd been shocked by electricity. There was a war going on. 
There was a war going on. There were bunkers around every turn. There were men sitting there on machine guns. We pulled into the town of the city of Appeal, a city of about 250,000 people. And the first place they asked us to go was the mayor's office. We walked into the mayor's office, Lee and I and Sister Redmond. He said, we have a city militia. We will surround your hotel room and make sure no harm comes to you. And we told them, that's okay. We're fine. We don't need it. And when we were in Manila, people were telling us, you are crazy. You cannot go to Mindanao. They're killing pastors in Mindanao. We went to Mindanao and found out that wasn't true. They're just a bunch of silly preachers. Amen. That's all it was. And we had a glorious time. We had what? 80 denominational pastors. Catholic priest, Episcopal priest, Baptist, Methodist, you name them. All filled with the Holy Ghost by the time we left. Speaking in other tongues. Amen? You say, why? Grace, we stood under that umbrella. We stood under that umbrella of grace. Now that doesn't mean we don't have any problems. That means we had not fought any battles. But that does mean there is a place in the will of God where His grace and His mercy and His compassion and His favor and His ability works at its maximum level in your life. And that's where you want to live. Because at that place in life, life becomes a joy. And it's hard for the enemy to steal your joy when you know you're in the will of God doing what God's called you to do and being the person God's called you to be. There's something joyful about that that makes you really appreciate where you are in life. Yeah, Thank God for education and degrees and success in sports and all these other things. But once you get into the will of God and know, I, man, this is where I need to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. There is a satisfaction that comes to your soul that nothing else on this earth can give you. Amen? How many are interested in the will of God for your life? Amen? Amen? Well, good. We're going to believe God this series is going to help you. Amen? You love the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, stand on your feet. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, we thank you that it is your will for us to be safe and protected. So Lord, we step up under that umbrella of your word, declaring according to Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh your dwelling place, our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us, and we thank you, Father, in our travels and in the righteous labor of our hands, we are protected by God. Thank you, Lord God. We also have a door of utterance. It is your will that your gospel go forth into the four corners of the world, and that includes Galveston Island and Galveston County. So thank you for a door of utterance, especially at the holidays, or for our families, our friends, our coworkers, those we work with, we love, our neighbors. Thank you, Father, that this Christmas season will afford us a wonderful opportunity to share Jesus. For that is your will, Lord. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, we walk in love toward one another. We walk, leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the hope. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.